Well, good morning once again, everybody. Anybody glad to be in church today? Put your hands together if you're glad to be here. Come on. Awesome. As many of you know, we've been doing a series here at South Metro Ministries and at our uh, second campus, Go Church, called Ask Away. And over the last few weeks, we've invited you to submit questions via a website called askawayseries.com. All of those questions that have been submitted, they've been submitted anonymously. And then over the last three weeks, what we've done is we've tried to tackle as many of those questions as we've been able to do and the time that has been allotted. And we're going to do that again today with a little bit of a different format, and I'll make some introductions here in just a moment. But have you enjoyed this series so far? Come on, hasn't it been life-giving? I, I know that for us personally, this, uh, this series is always one of our favorite series that we do because it's real, it's raw, it's straight from the heart of the people, and the questions are always so impactful. Now, today we're going to close out this series called Ask Away. Next Sunday, we're kicking off a brand new series on the Holy Spirit, and I invite all of you to come in to be a part of that three-week discussion because it's going to be incredible as well. Now, before we jump into the conversation today, we always like to look in the camera at the back of the room, say a great big hello to our extended family, our Go Church family. That's right, we are one church in two locations, so we have our campus right here in the South Metro Atlanta area. And then 700 miles uh, from here, we have our Go Church family. They're meeting today in Germantown, Maryland, in the movie theater there. Come on, South Metro family, can we welcome our Go Church family? Come on, let them know you love them. Awesome. And then we also want to say a great big hello to all of our online viewers. And every week, our online viewership is growing and growing and growing. And so welcome to all of you that are watching online. Maybe you're home today, uh, not feeling your best, or perhaps you're on a weekend getaway because it's Labor Day. Well-deserved for all of you, but we're glad that you're tuning in today. And then, of course, all of our military service men and women, the brave men and women that are serving to protect our country and our freedoms. We honor you. We salute you. We say thank you. Can we honor them today as well. Awesome. Well, let's jump into uh, Ask Away, the final, the final week of this series. And every single week, I've invited each one of these gentlemen to come and to moderate that conversation. So in the first week, Pastor Jeff kicked off that conversation. The second week, Pastor Trey joined in the conversation. And then last week, you got introduced to Pastor Ben. And so today, what I wanted to do is I wanted all four of us to come together and let's, let's tackle some more questions. Um, there have been so many questions that have been submitted. It's not possible to get to all of them, but I thought that today we could try to get to, you know, six, seven, eight of them if we can, and uh, we're not going to hold back. I, I think that if you've been here for any week in this series, you've learned, if you've learned anything, you've learned that we have not been afraid to tackle some hard topics, to have some hard conversations, to dive into scripture a little bit deeper, and really that's what we're going to do out of the gate today. So here's the very first question. Uh, this question was submitted on that uh, Ask Away series. And it says this, if God does not make mistakes, then why did he make me gay? If God does not make mistakes, then why did he make me gay? Pastor Jeff, I, I want to I turn this to you for a moment. All of us will give uh, some thoughts here, but I want you to kind of lead off on this particular question. If God doesn't make mistakes, then why did he make me gay? Yeah, wow. What a big question. Thanks for throwing me right into the deep end. Yeah, you got it, man. <laughs> I love you, man. First, I love you too. And the, the first thing that I want to say uh, and preface my whole conversation with this is that if you read between the lines, 
The thing that really hurts my heart is that this individual or anybody would feel like their mistake. Wow. So the very first thing that I want everyone to understand, on, especially the person that wrote this question, is that you are not a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, amen? Yeah, come on. That's great. I you're love not, that. You're not a, a, a mistake. You're not a misfit. You're not a, a flaw in the, the grand scheme of God's creation. As a matter of fact, Ephesians tells us in chapter 2, verse 10, that you are his workmanship means you are his masterpiece and it says that all of us have been created in Christ for good works and what that tells me pastor JC is that God has a plan and a purpose a divine design for each and every one of us no matter where we might be in life no matter what our lot might be it tells me Ephesians 2:10 that I was intentional and not accidental yeah so that's the very first thing that I want to speak to this individual or anyone else that feels like hey I'm a mistake in life I'm a reject I'm a misfit you are not because you were you are his workmanship created in Christ for good works and and the reality is God does not make mistakes yeah he doesn't make mistakes with any of us so so where that leaves us with is this sixty four thousand dollar question of then yeah. why did he make me gay and if I have a minute, you do. I'd like to touch on that because the reality is, uh, based on the Word of God, if you look at Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 6, if you look at Genesis chapter 5, verse 2, you'll find that we were made both male and female. Yeah. Uh, we were made man and woman physically, biologically emotionally and even mentally, God had a perfect design when he uh, formed us, made it us, created us as both male and female. So my question, or my answer to that question is, why did God make me gay? As unpopular as it might be today, in today's landscape, in today's society, where, uh, you know, political correctness rules the conversation and tolerance sure. rules the landscape, uh, God did not make anyone gay. God did Come not on. make anyone homosexual. He did not make anyone a lesbian. Uh, he did not make anyone a transgender, and we'll get to that in just a moment. God made us according to his spoken word. Yeah. He made us according to his divine will, and he made us according to his divine purpose. And if you look at the word of God in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it tells us that after he created man and woman, yeah, say this. after he looked at the male and the female that yeah. he created... After he looked at all of his creation, he looked at it and said, it's very, very good. good. Yeah, come on. And the reality is what we need to understand is that the devil has come into uh, the, the landscape. The devil has come into the picture just like he did in the garden. And he, just, he wants to disrupt God's divine design. And here's one of the things that I would like to say about why did God make me gay and why God did not make anyone gay because it would be against his word and it would be against his will. Yeah. If you look at Genesis and, and the book of creation, it tells us that the first command that God gave to his creation, to the plants, to the animals, and especially to Adam and Eve, was to go forth and multiply. Yeah. He said, go forth and be fruitful. And I'm not going to say this in a condemning way, but I want us to understand what the devil is trying to do with God's creation. The gay couple, the lesbian couple, the homosexual couple, they cannot fulfill God's divine order or design to go forth and multiply. 
The gay couple can't be fruitful. Yeah. The homosexual, the lesbian couple can't be fruitful unless they do this, get this, unless they borrow from the opposite sex. Unless they tap into God's divine design for procreation and multiplication and for fruitfulness. And so what I want us to see is to realize that God, did, God is not the one that made us gay because God wants us to be fruitful. Yeah. And the devil wants us to be unfruitful in every area of our life. Yeah. So he will do whatever he can in our mind. He'll do whatever he can in our emotions. He'll do whatever he can with our creation to create us to be unfruitful. He'll put a thought. He'll put a desire. He'll put something uh, according to our fallen nature because that's what happened. This is how all of these things came into creation. It was a perfect creation, a perfect design. And then guess what happened? You know it. Yeah. Sin entered the landscape. Sin entered the world. And along with it, the Bible tells us came what? Came pain. Came weeds and thorns and thistles and everything unclean, everything unrighteous. Along with sin came greed, came lust, came envy, jealousy, hatred, bigotry, came racism, came sexual impurity, sexual immorality, came homosexuality, came lesbianism, came pride. And I can go on and on and on because when sin came into the world, so did all the characteristics of, of unrighteousness. Good. And the reality is that's where the devil wants us to live. Absolutely. He wants us to live in a land or a place of unfruitfulness. But thank God there's another side to that story. Amen? Come on. So what did God do to cure the, the condition that we have? He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one that can yeah, free us from all of these things. Free us from guilt, from pride, from from shame, from it's all good. of those things, including homosexuality. So, so, so good. And I appreciate the, uh, the heart behind the truth that you're sharing. And let, let me make this statement. Uh, to tackle a question like this or other questions that we've done in this series, it comes with great debate. It at times, it comes with great scrutiny. Uh, the church is under a microscope now. Uh, for preaching the truth from God's word. And so, Pastor Ben, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this over to you, and I'm going to do this for a reason, because, uh, and, and not in a, a picking on you type of way, but because you are new to this team. I believe that you came on the staff because uh, God called you here, but because of the vision, because of the vision. And so here's what I'm going to ask you, because there might be somebody sitting in this room, there might be somebody sitting at Go Church, there might be somebody watching online, that they see this question, they hear the response from Pastor Jeff, and they think, well, that church doesn't love gay people. That, that church, I'm, I would not be welcome as you know, a homosexual or as a lesbian couple or whatever that might look like. I want to talk to you about really uh, kind of the heart of our house here and why, why that would not be true for anybody sitting in this room that would feel like, well, because of your response, okay, now all of a sudden I, I, can't, I can't be a part of this church any longer. You know, I think that, that that is one of the lies straight from the enemy right there is that um, you can't come in the doors and you can't belong in a body until you are 100% just like them. But we're all a work in progress. I think, come on. you know, we've gotten... Sometimes, and I'm saying this straight from my own self, we've been guilty and I've been guilty of classifying sin as greater than other sins and we'll preach on homosexuality, but no one will preach a sermon on gluttony 
and you know but our bodies are the temple and so I, I think what we have to do is to remember um, that at one point in time uh, we needed love just like those who are struggling with homosexuality or struggling with anything out there they need that love and if they can't find it in the church they won't find it yeah, anywhere yeah. come on can you uh, say amen to that that's good and to the person that you know that wrote this um, you know I think sometimes um, just because you have an attraction doesn't mean you have an identity. I think that's where the devil gets you. It's just because wow. you like something that that's your, that's your identity. It's not only God has defined identity, like Pastor Jeff said in his word. And I also think that just among sin in general, um, sometimes we fight for the things that we want, but not necessarily things that are true. And so we fight for things that we want to believe are true, but until you get into God's word and you read what he has to say, then you're, gonna, you're not going to know what is truth and what is his truth. And so, so this good. place, this house, is a place where truth can be expressed, that it can be laid out in front of you, but it's done through love. And it's done through grace. And the only reason why it's brought forth, we could have skipped this question. The only reason why we brought this forth is because I believe that God has a heart for everyone, yeah, come on. regardless of where you are and what you need. Say amen, amen. to that. Amen. Uh, okay, Pastor Trey, I, I want to let you jump in on the conversation. Where, where I believe the church has fallen short is for decades, the church has had this kind of mission or understanding that in order to belong, then, then you have to believe. Does that make sense? That if you don't believe what we believe, then you don't belong here. Okay, but really the church should be more about belonging, that all are welcome. Everybody's welcome. Because if we're going to start throwing stones, if we're going to start throwing stones, uh, we all in trouble, pardon the grammar. So, so it's not a matter of, well, you have to believe what we believe in order for you to belong. This is, this is a family here. We all have challenges. Talk a little bit about that because especially in student ministry, you see that what Pastor Ben said, that identity crisis a lot. And a lot of times people think, well, because I've got a problem, whether it be, you know, this question submitted or alcoholism or an addiction to pornography or whatever, well, then I don't belong there. I don't belong there. Can you talk to that for a moment? Sure. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times we fail to realize that belief does follow belonging. Yeah. I think when somebody finds a place where they are loved and where they are cared for, then they are more likely to begin to understand what we believe and trust what we have to say. I, I think I like that. It, it, it's the whole the old concept of uh, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, and so I tell I tell our team this all the time that it is impossible for us to disciple someone until we have a relationship with them. It's impossible for me to walk somebody on a journey of faith until they trust me, until I have shown them that I care about you. And so our response, like whether it's with homosexuality or whether it's with uh, a gambling addiction or whether it's with pornography or alcoholism or whatever it may be, our response should always be love. Our response should always be grace because that's how Jesus handled everything. Yeah, come on. Jesus never went in to anyone who was living a lie contrary to the word of God and, and, and immediately went in on them, attacking them. No, Jesus showed them love and Jesus showed them grace initially. Yes. Jesus didn't back away from truth 
And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that yeah, in just a minute. But, but Jesus never backed away from truth, but Jesus Amen. always showed love. Jesus always showed Amen. grace. And so our responsibility as the people of God is to show love to every single person who walks through Amen. that door. Amen. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your background is. Amen. I don't care who your mama is or what your daddy did 10, 20 years Amen. ago or who your grandpa was. The reality is this today, that Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life, and yeah. you belong here. Amen. Come on. Isn't that amen. good? Come on. Somebody say amen, amen to that. Amen. Uh, and I, I want our church at both of our campuses to be a place where people, they feel like they belong. And my prayer is, is that through that acceptance of belonging, then they turn to believing. Yes. Then they hear yes. the truth from God's word. Yes. If we shut the doors on people, how can they ever hear Come the on. truth? That's good. Amen. You know, it, it, it is the truth that sets us free. Yeah, right. You know, and so, so let me kind of close because we got so many questions that we're trying to get to. Let me close with this thought. And Pastor Jeff, while you were talking, uh, the Holy Spirit led me to these two places in scripture that I want to share with you. The first one is in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Okay, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Amen. Watch. Amen. But in order that the world through. might be saved Amen. through him. Amen. So, so this is an understanding that, that God sent my Bible's fallen, that God sent his son Jesus so that all would have the opportunity to be saved. But then look at 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. But do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do, you not, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor, nor uh, evildoers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And he goes on, and here's the point that I'm trying to make is, God, if God would make us gay, he would go against his own word. Yeah, amen. He, he, he can't say in one breath, hey, I'm sending my son so that all could be saved. However, I made you in, in a way so now you can inherit the kingdom of God. And we wow. were all born into yes. sin. Yeah. All of us. We were born into sin, and God, through his love and through his grace and his truth, sent his son so that we might be set free from that on, sin good. and experience amen. freedom amen. in Jesus Christ. Come on, can you give us a good amen, amen and a round of applause amen. right there? Awesome. Okay. I know that when we spent a little time on that, but I hope that that was helpful and uh, informative for you. All right, the next question is this, and this is a great question. And Pastor Ben, I'm going to turn this one over to you. The question that was submitted is this. Can, can Satan hear your prayers when you pray aloud? Can Satan hear your prayers when you pray aloud? Um, I think... Um I'm going to jump right to like the short answer right off on this. And then I want to do some explaining. I think that yes, the devil can hear your prayers if you're praying out loud. However, I think we need to understand that the devil is not omnipresent. Yeah. yeah. It means he's not everywhere. We, you know, he's not like the Lord. He's Come not on. everywhere. He's, he's not even close to anything like the Lord. And he's not omnipotent. It means he's not all powerful. Come on then. And sometimes I feel like we, we in the church world, it's as if we're in the stands watching a football game between the devil and the Lord, and we're hoping that our team is going to win. But our team already won. Hello. The devil even knows it. He knows it. And so I think sometimes we've gotten to the point where, you know, you know 
I've gotten to the point, oh, I, I wonder if the devil can hear that. You know, I hope he hears it. Come on. <laughs> I hope Come he on. hears what I'm praying. Come on. Because I hope he knows I'm coming after who he's trying to capture. Come on, yeah. And I'm coming after what he has. Uh, come against the church and come against my family. I want the devil to know that I'm not, I'm not a wimp. I'm a warrior. <laughs> so in essence, can he hear your prayers? Yes. And sometimes I hope that yeah. he can. And I hope that you understand that regardless of whether he can hear your prayers or not, that's not the relevant factor. The relevant factor in this conversation is, do you know that you have the authority? Wow. That you have the authority in Jesus' name to bind him, to rebuke him, to remove him from your family, to remove him from your house. And so even if he's, he, you know, you feel his presence and, or, or you, he, you feel like he can hear your prayers, you can send him packing just as fast as he came coming. Wow. And so uh, just understanding that power and that authority, will change, it will change the way that you pray and it will change the way that you live. Come on, isn't that good? Somebody say amen right there. Can we jump in? Either one of you guys want to tag on with that one there? Uh, if not, I have this thought too, because this is such a good question. And I love, I love the phrase that you used, I'm not a wimp, I'm a warrior. Yeah, yeah. Come on, somebody. The, uh, the Greek word there is exousia, exousia. And it means that we have authority, that we have we have. When we're in right standing with Christ Jesus, we have authority. The other thing you said that I love is this, is that I hope he hears our prayers. Even even if he can hear hear you when you pray, he does not have the power to block God's will, God's purpose, and God's plan. Come on. So not not to devalue this question because it is such a great question that was submitted, but I, I, I think a maybe a better question, a better question would be, can God hear you when you pray? Yeah, yeah, wow. Are you praying in right spirit? Are you praying from a heart of sincerity? Are you praying out of right relationship with God? You know, I, I want God to hear my prayer. I, don't, I think we give the devil too much credit. Come on. Come on. We give him far too much credit, you know. But I want to be in a position where I'm, I'm humble, I'm on my knees before the Lord. And when I cry out to God, you know, he says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, seek my face and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then what's the promise? I will hear I will yeah. hear yep. from heaven and I will heal and bless the land. And that, that is my heart. You know, I don't give two flying flips about the enemy. Come on. Yeah. You know, what I care about is my relationship with Jesus. And when I pray, am I praying out of a heart of sincerity so that God can hear my prayers? Because when we pray, he moves mountains. Come on. And let me tell you, let me tell you, you need to know this. Uh, prayer works. Amen. Yeah, it does. Prayer works. And I, I heard somebody say one time, and we'll move on to another question. You know, God, God never answers my prayer. God, I, I pray, and he never answers my prayer. God always answers your prayer. And he always answers it one of three ways. Yes, no, or wait. I, I do a better job with the yes and the no, but don't tell me to wait, Lord. Come on. Yeah. Anybody with me? But he always answers the prayer. It's either yes, it's no, or it's wait. You know, so the next time you pray, put, put the enemy on notice. I, I know that, you know, you might be able to hear this prayer. I want you to hear this prayer because greater is he on the inside of me than he that's in the world. We, we, we are not victims. We are victorious. And your father in heaven hears every single prayer that you pray. And according to his word and according to his will, it shall come to pass. Somebody say amen right there. All right. That's good. Okay. I love this. This is so much. Are you, you all having fun today? You having fun? 
Okay, we've got, we've got a bunch more, so let's kind of get through them. All right, Pastor Trey, I'm going to turn our attention over to you on this one. Uh, what, a, what a great question submitted here. Uh, it talks about the, what, where is this line? There, is, there must be a line between loving the sinner and then condoning the sin. And we touched a little bit on that in the first question, which I think is a perfect setup for this. But talk a little bit more in, 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 uh, in detail about this line between, okay, we're supposed to love the sinner and then condoning the sin, because I think for some that might get confusing. So jump in here. Sure. Well, I, I think my first thought on this is that as believers in Christ, we cannot afford to be ambiguous about what we believe. And what I mean by that is that we can't uh, be unclear in where we stand in our beliefs. That there is, we live in a world where um, the, the world would like to convince us that there is nothing absolute anymore, right. that there are no absolute truths, that everything is just kind of relative and we can all just kind of come and go as we please and we're all kind of floating, whatever's good for you is good for me and, and if it doesn't hurt anybody else, you know, it's all good and stuff. But the reality is, when we look at Scripture and when we look at even the way the dynamics of our world are set up, even if you're looking at science and stuff, we realize that there are things that are absolute, that we know that, that there are things, there are laws of nature that are established. And so it's the same way in our faith. God is an absolute God. And so we can't afford as Christians to be unclear about what we believe. And I think what happens, and Pastor Jeff touched on this a minute ago, is that in the culture we live in, we live in such a PC culture, such a politically cor correct climate that we can't say anything that we believe and we can't say anything that is contrary to what the masses would believe or what the masses would say. And if the masses believe it, then that must be true. And the reality is, is that we know and we have to have confidence in what we believe in. The second thing I would say is this, is that every single uh, every single thing that we say, every single thing that we believe, and how we treat every single person who walks through the door must always be laced with love and grace. Yeah, I, like yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I touched on that a minute ago, but, but the reality is, is we have to be firm in what we believe, but we have to show people love and grace. We have to care for people. They have to know that we have a genuine heart for them, but even more than that, that Jesus has a genuine heart for them. And I've got proof of that. It's found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where the Apostle Paul's writing there, and he says these words. He says that God showed his great love for us in that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. I don't know about anybody else, but that wrecks me. Because the reality is this, that Jesus looked at me in my mess, spitting in his face, turning against him, crucifying him, making poor decisions on a daily basis that are contrary to God's word, knowing that I would do that against him. He still died for me. So what does that tell us? That we have a responsibility to respond the same way. That if Jesus responds to the sinner in love, that I have to respond to the sinner in love as well. Now, that doesn't mean I have to agree with their decisions. Yeah. Parents out there. How many parents are out there? How, how many parents? If you're a parent, here's the, here's the reality. Ben, you raise your hand now. You have an oh eight-week-old. There yes. you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's new, it's new. Sorry. He's, he's actually up here getting a nap. It's the first right. sleep he's had in eight weeks. <laughs> now, I'm not a parent. We're in the process of adoption. And I, love it. And I hope that, that we have this same heart. But the reality is this. That no parent out there uh, uh, skips over discipline 
You know, when they, when they have their child and, and, and they on. look at their child and they, they, they see their child doing something that is harmful or doing something that is wrong, that, that parent out of love will discipline and correct their child. They don't have to agree with the decision. If your child's over there doing something stupid, then you <laughs> as a parent need to correct that. Yeah. You don't have to agree with their bad decisions. I know in my life growing up, my parents did not agree with all the bad decisions that I made. Sure. They called me out on my junk. They called me out on my stuff but it was still full of love they yeah. corrected me because yeah. they loved me because they wanted me to be on a right path and so we have to have that have that same mentality when we're approaching this situation like with somebody who's actively living in sin it's not wrong for us to disagree with that. It's not wrong for us to even have a hard conversation. That's another thing. I think we're afraid to have hard conversations yeah. with people. Sometimes yes. I think we're afraid to address things with people. I, I know families sometimes it's like, oh, that's a touchy subject. I don't, I don't want to go there or whatever. But the reality is, is, is if, if their eternal soul is hanging in the balance, you better have a conversation with them. Listen, if somebody is living apart from Jesus Christ and they die, they will not spend eternity with him. That's clear from the word of God and we talked about that a few weeks ago Absolutely. we have a responsibility to address those things with the ones that we love and I'll finish with this thought because I, I want to go back to this whole idea of grace and truth yeah because Jesus never did anything without those two lining up and a lot of people think you have to have one or the other but the reality is Jesus always handled everything with grace and truth look at the woman at the well when she came when Jesus encountered the woman at the well what did he do he called out her sin she said he said go and tell uh, tell your husband and she says why well, I don't have a husband and Jesus said you're right you don't have a husband you've had five husbands and the one you got right now ain't your husband you're just shacking up with him and having a good time yeah. And so Jesus calls the sin out, but then he shows her grace. Yeah. And then he shows her love. And he begins to exp express the love of God to her. And that day she came to realize who he was as the Messiah. And yeah. her whole life was turned around and changed. Look at the woman who was called in adultery. Exactly. Man, I love this story because yeah. it is a perfect picture of grace and truth. The religious leaders, the one who were following the law and doing everything that, that God says is wrong. And they're trying to follow everything to a T. Knowing they're not living right. They go over there and they drag this woman. They're trying to trick Jesus. And, and they're basically trying to stone this woman and so uh, they're, they're trying to get Jesus you know the law says that we should stone her because of this sin and so Jesus uh, looks at them and he says he without sin cast the first stone well all of them knew that they were sinners so all of a sudden you start hearing stones drop they walk away and I love this part because Jesus looks at her and he says woman where are your accusers where are the ones who condemned you and she said they're not here and he looked at her with, I, I mean, I can just imagine the love and the grace here. And he looked at her and he said, neither do I condemn you. Yeah. But here's the truth. Go and sin no more. Yeah. Come on. So Jesus looked at her and he showed her grace. He showed her love. But he showed her truth as well. Yeah. So we can love someone. We can love them in the middle of their sin. I do it all the time as a youth pastor. Man, I got kids that are going crazy out there. But you know what? We love them anyway. Yeah. We wrap our arms around them. And Pastor JC, I've found this to be true. And I'll finish because I know I'm talking a lot. I'm a preacher. But I, 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 I know this. I have found this to be true. That if I will wrap my arms around a student and if I will love on them and if I'll walk on that journey with them and I'll not condemn them and let them know that I love them and God loves them and this family here loves them, I have found that they more often than not turn back around and come back yeah, to the yeah. truth because there is something about the love of Jesus Christ that draws us 
to the foot of the cross. Amen. So good. So good. And, and I, I, it's important for all of you here at, at South Metro and, of course, at Go Church to know that this is the type of church that Kimberly and I desire to pastor, a church that is about grace and truth. Yeah. Now, let me, let me preface my next statement by saying this, and I've said this before. I am not responsible for any other church. God called us to pastor this church and our other campus, okay? So I'm not responsible for the culture of any other church or any other house. However, by observing the way that many churches seem to operate is this way. There are so many churches that only preach grace. Grace, grace, grace. Whatever you do... Love wins. Just live it up, man. It's okay. God's grace, his grace, his grace. And then on the other side, there are so many churches that only preach truth. That if you make a mistake, you're going to hell. Some of you grew up in churches like that. Many people left the church because they're so afraid that they're, well, if I make one mistake, then I'm, I'm condemned to hell. No, 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 no. If you look at the model and the ministry of Jesus, it was always about grace and truth. Truth and grace. And not only do we hope to pastor a church with that same culture, but I hope to parent with that same way. Because the Bible says that we have all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, it, there is not one perfect person in this church. We, we, we've, all, we've all made mistakes. And the, the great thing, though, is that we're all on a journey together, pursuing the things of God, hoping to leave our former life behind, taking one step in front of the other. Come on, church, right there. You know, hoping to be better today than we were tomorrow, but we're all still a work in progress. So I hope to pastor a church that mirrors both grace and truth. Come on, can you put your hands together and say a good amen right there? Okay, you got time for a few more? Okay, good. I want to give you this next question. And uh, while I'm reading this question, I want to invite to the stage a really good friend of mine and and a really good friend of yours, uh, Don Harris. Don Harris has been a part of this church for many, many years, and he currently serves as the the head of our elders board. And I thought that it would be appropriate to invite Don to come and to help with this particular question. Uh, This question was submitted a few different times. Now, we did spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. Can we do something just kind of practical for a moment? like a practical question, all right? So this question was submitted a few different times. However, uh, how do I say this? The, the, the question that we chose was the nicest way it was worded. If that, is that fair? We're family, right? Okay, you got a microphone. So here's the question. We, we, all, we all want to be good stewards of our finances and not be indebted to anyone, why are we replacing, I told you it's going to be practical, why are we replacing perfectly good tile with other flooring just to be updating our facilities when we could be paying down the debt? Now, whoever submitted this question, I appreciate the kindness of this particular one because some of the other ones really called into question, you know, character and stewardship and things of that nature. So I wanted to, I wanted to invite Don to come and to share with you for a moment, a little bit more about the purpose of why we did a renovation project and why we felt the need to beautify this facility and take it to the next level. So would you put your hands together and welcome my really good friend, Don Harris. Come on. Thank you, Pastor JC. It's good to be here. And 
Um, I can probably over-spiritualize anything. I can even uh, say that this is a spiritual question because we see the word stewardship here. Uh, this Whoever sent the question in uh, has basically shown us that they have a heart for how we handle God's resources. Yep. And that's a great question. Uh, but I, I'll go further and say the words perfectly good tile. Uh, that's, that's the first response that I'll give here is that just like a lot of what we go through in life, things may look perfectly good on the outside. But underneath that tile, we had some major issues that have been ongoing issues for over two years. And, and a lot, we all remember that. If you've been here for any period of time, you remember that floor being ripped out and the floor being bare concrete for several months because we had ongoing issues with that floor. Well, I, I want to take a quick minute and give a good shout out and appreciation for our facility staff because over the last year or so, they've done a fantastic job of masking some serious uh, safety issues that we had with that floor. Man, they put furniture in front of stuff and we had Nelson working like crazy <laughs> to uh, replace tiles in midweek while we didn't have services so that nobody would trip on some pretty unsafe tile. So we got to the place where it had to be replaced. Uh, and I will also say this, even though it, there were some poor installation issues and some other things that went on, the builder remained in dialogue with us through that process because they cared. But uh, you remember that a complete reinstall, they still reinstalled it wrong, but we had to continue to negotiate. And fortunately, by God's hand and God's grace and the Holy Spirit's power uh, in several meetings, they agreed to help us tremendously with the cost of that. So we didn't pay, we didn't bear the full cost of replacing that floor. The other thing that I'll mention is that by God's timing and direction of the wind, when that floor was removed, it helped us by showing us and uncovering some other areas where we were having water intrusion that was not only part of the problems we were having, but were going to cause even more problems later on. Uh, so God's been really good through that entire process. And uh, if I'd like to take a quick second, I'd like to maybe expand that question because I know that there were several. Several have come by my nose of why are we spending money doing this and that. Um, but since, during the transition, Pastor JC, we've seen lots of new faces. We've seen Pastor Ben. We've seen changes with Pastor Trey, Micah, Joseph, and a lot of things going on in terms of hiring and allocation of resources. Well, let me tell you something. I've worked with Pastor Allen for quite some time. And if there's anything about him, there are two, well, actually there are two things. Very open and transparent about the finances of this church. And number two, very frugal with how we handle the resources that God blesses this church with through all of you. And that didn't change when Pastor JC came. He is one of the most frugal men of, the, of his age that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and through reallocation of how we were doing some things and spending money, even though we have new staff, new structure in place to carry out the vision that he brought with him when he came to this church, the overall outgo is there's very little difference in what was going out before. In addition to that, 
because of your creativity contacts, Pastor JC, uh, and I haven't shared this with you, but you have absolutely been marvelous at finding ways to enhance the returns that we're getting on reserve funds that we've had and to help us to, to address this debt question to not only have our money grow faster, but to help pay off the debt faster. Amen. So thank Amen. you. And the final thing that I'll mention is as an elder board, and I work with some really great guys on that board, uh, as an elder board, when the flooring issue came up, we decided, the Board of Elders decided against maybe your uh, request, because you had come to us way back at the beginning of the transition and shown us some phases that you wanted to do things. But once we had the resources engaged and we were going to have to paint and we were doing the floor, once those resources were here, it proved to be more cost effective and efficient to go ahead and do some things over in the children's areas and down the hall and do some painting and, and those kinds of things and the changes that we see here when we're still healthy. And the final thing, really quick, is we, from the date we incurred the debt on this new construction, on this building, we've always paid extra principal to pay down the debt. We've continued to do that, and we'll continue to do that. So we're healthy, and we're good. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, can you say amen? Thank you so much. We're running out of time. I'm going to do this fast. But uh, I, want, I want to say this is respectfully and as carefully as I know how. Uh, and I mean this with all sincerity. I'm going to close my eyes so you don't think I'm looking at you when I say it, by the way. Um, assumption is very dangerous. Assumption is just very dangerous. Kimberly and I, we are, we are covered, covered, covered with accountability, covered. Your church is connected to the Church of God, which is a wonderful denomination uh, that I'm responsible to, reporting of finances and personally. Uh, we, we have an elders board. Don is head of that board that helps make financial decisions. We have a finance committee uh, that operates in that capacity. We have a staff. You know, so I just, just be careful with assuming. You know, if you have questions, you have a right to ask those questions. That's why we wanted to answer the question, you know, but to assume that the new guy comes in and just spends a lot of money, uh, not, not only is that somewhat hurtful, but it's just untrue. It's just untrue. So to God be the glory for what he has done and what he is doing, right? Amen. All right, here we go. Watch this. We're going, they're not at the keyboard, so we're just going to keep going until they play, right? That's kind of how this works, okay? Um, we're going we're gonna to do a little rapid fire round, okay? So I'm going to try and get uh, three or four questions in here. You, you got, I don't know, 45 seconds to a minute to kind of respond to these rapid fire questions. Uh, ben, I'm gonna to come to you first, okay? The, you could do a whole series on this one, and I'm telling you, you have 45 seconds to a minute, but tell us where, where did this 10% uh, rule of tithing specifically come from, or where did this, you know, uh, this understanding of 10% by way of tithe originate from? Can you take it, it, a minute there? <laughs> there you go. Joseph comes to the keys. <laughs> it originates in the Old Testament. Um, Really, really with Abraham, and it's a principle that God establishes with his people. And I think it, it's to remind us, not only to take care of what was the house, the temple, the Levites, um, but also to remind his people where the first fruits and their blessing comes from. Uh, I think it's easy sometimes to be in a job, and, and to, especially if you're a self-made person, 
um, and you've had great success to feel like that's all you, but it's not. It's really the hand of the Lord and his blessing and his favor. Uh, and so tithing is such a critical thing to not only um, bring proper balance of finances to your own life, uh, but also to as a self-recognition of where your blessing comes from. Giving yeah. back to God that 10% so that he can bless your 90%, so that he can bless everything that you do. Um, you know, we grew up, we grew up broke, uh, and but my dad always gave. And he showed me this illustration one time, and it's so true. If I cut your pie, if you bake me a pie, um, he said, this is why you need to give God first. If I cut you a pie, you ever cut a pie and you notice like how big the first slice is? But if you're that person that gets the last slice, you're getting the shaft. You know what I mean? Right off the bat. And so where the biggest mistake I think we make in understanding tithe is that like we pay that. all of our bills and all of our groceries and all that. And then if we have money left over, then we'll give to the Lord. But what we give God is such a small sliver and not the right piece of pie that he deserves to begin with. And the tithe is just a promise. Um, it's a commitment from the Lord. It's the one thing he asked you to test him in. Yeah. He says, you know, give it to the storehouse and, and test me in this that I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on, on you and your that. family. Uh, test God in it. Test it to know be true because I know that through the tithe, God will always take care of his people uh, and through the act of generous giving, God will always bless his people. Come on. Two, two things came to my mind when you said that. Number one is I've never wanted a slice of apple pie more than right now. Come on, church, come on, in Jesus' name. Like, I'm a key lime pie You're fan. talking about pie and we're all like, get me to lunch. <laughs> the, second, the second thing that came to my mind is this. Often we'll hear people say, well, the tithe is Old Testament. It's Old Testament. Okay, we'll go there. In the New Testament, Jesus said to give everything. That's right. Yep, in Luke chapter 6. So you can choose, all right? I just got that. <laughs> Jesus said to give it all, you know? Uh, anyway, all right, let's go, to, let's go to the second question here. Uh, and Pastor Trey, I'm going to turn to you again. Big question. This is a little bit more practical. Sure. Um, I loved all of the questions. I loved most of the questions that came in online. Uh, some of them seem to be a place where people could ask some, some questions about what God is doing at the church. And this individual wanted to know, and they're asking me, not you, but I'm going to let you answer this simply because now you're changing seats on the bus and you're moving to oversee all of the discipleship of the church, including youth and children and groups and move track and water baptism. And that list goes on. So the question that came in was this, why, why did you take away Wednesday nights from the church and youth? You know, why do we take Wednesday nights away from the church and, and from youth? Again, I know you could talk for a while, but sure. give me like a minute response to this yeah, one. Yeah, I'll try to hit that pretty quickly. The answer is we didn't. Uh, we, we actually, we took a break for the summer church-wide uh, because what we started noticing was that we weren't, uh, some things were effective, some things were not. And we, we really felt that it's, it's important for us. The Bible says that everything we do, we do as unto the Lord. And so we have the responsibility to make sure that we are effective in everything that we're doing. And so uh, we also have a responsibility to make sure that we are effectively discipling our people. Yeah. Uh, Jesus was all about discipleship. Come on. Uh, and I would say this, and, and I say this with, with, uh, you know, with as much humility as I can. We, we don't always need another, uh, another worship experience or another gathering, another service. You're what right. we need is 
is discipleship. Jesus spent more time discipling yeah. than he did preaching sermons on the mount or sermons to the people. Jesus was focused on discipling people because he knew when he left that they were the ones who were going to have to carry this thing out. And so we have a responsibility as believers in Christ to disciple. And so what we've done is we've just began to reformat so that we can do a better job of discipling the people, discipling the new families that are coming in and the students. And so, man, we've got youth going on. Youth is actually happening right now. We started it back a little bit earlier. Uh, so that's been going on in the month of August. Uh, and then we'll, we'll have a youth first Wednesday this Wednesday. So each first Wednesday of the month, we're going to have the first Wednesday gathering. And we, we want everybody to come and to be a part of that as a, a worship experience. Uh, we also have other groups. We're really emphasizing groups right now uh, because we believe that real life change and, and, and real life happens in the context of relationship and so groups help us to do that we have to uh we've got to be connected to one another so the iron can sharpen iron so that we can grow and so we got groups happening on wednesday night we've got an adult bible study uh that that is a group we've got uh financial peace going on because we believe that god has called us to be a good steward of the finances that he's given us and uh we've got youth we've got children we've got several things that are going to be happening on Wednesday nights. So we haven't done away with Wednesday nights. We haven't taken it away from anybody. We've just reformatted it so that we can be good stewards of the things that God's placed in our hands. You know, and I, I get it. I mean, it's change change is hard, you know, and, and I completely understand that. But we do have a heart to disciple people. You got 30 seconds here, but groups sign up is happening this weekend, right? So they can still sign up for groups. Is that yes. right? Yes. Well, I What's happened is we we've had we have more groups this semester than we Come have on. ever had before. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah. but here's the thing: there's been so much excitement with groups that many of them ha- actually because we did signups the last two weeks, many of them are full now. And and, and it's wow. it's but we're what I'm doing is I'm actually going back through some of our groups and we're trying to find space for people because we want you to be a part yes, of that. And that. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that people can be connected into the life of our church and so that people so can find a place to connect. So listen, if you haven't found that yet, listen, I'm going to be working to find a place for you to connect in to be a part of that. And uh, man, if you, I want to throw this out there really quickly. If you have a heart for that, if you have a heart for discipleship and a heart for leading people, we're going to be looking for for new group leaders next semester. And listen, it's time, it it is time for for somebody to say, you know what, it's time for me to get up and to do something. Maybe you've been here for a little while and you've been kind of checking it out. Well, Jesus is saying, go be a group leader. Go see Pastor Trey. I'm speaking for the Lord in that, okay? So don't, don't, don't kill the messenger. I, 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 we love you. We want you to be a part of that. So if you want to be a group leader, man, come and talk to me, and, uh, and we'll go through that process together. I love it. Okay, real quick, Pastor Jeff, we're, we're coming to you, and, and I know everybody's getting ready to leave, but watch this. This person asked, and again, we could do a whole message on it, but how can I tell the difference, and I love how they worded this, how can I tell the difference between God's desires and my own desires? Well, that one's really not that hard, so I'll hit Come it on. as quick as I can. Uh, first off, God's desires are always in alignment with his word. Amen. They're always in alignment Amen. with this. And so one of the ways that we find out if our desires are different from God's desires is this. We need to make sure that our, the desires that we have line up with the word of God. Actually, Psalm 37, 4 tells us that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. When we... When we make him first, when he is our source of satisfaction above everything else, Pastor JC, above riches, above popularity, above the, 
the pleasures of this world, when Jesus Christ is the priority of our life, then our desires to be, be, uh, begin to become in alignment with God's desires. So my question basically is this, if, if you delight yourself in the Lord, then your desires are going to be like God's desires. Uh, but if our desires are contrary to the Word of God, then they're not God's desires That's for good, our man. life. So just line them up with the Word of God, delight yourself in the Lord, and that question will become uh, answered just by uh, the Word of God. I love that. Okay, last one, and I'm going to take the lead on this one. It says, and I, I appreciate uh, the individual that submitted this. I know you've answered a lot of tough questions in the past few months and even now, but what is something that you desire to see at South Metro and at Go Church? And uh, there's so much there that I could talk on, but there are four things specifically that I'm excited to see when I close my eyes. Number one is people. People. Uh, Kimberly and I, we love getting to know you and your family. And we're excited to see all the new people that God sends, will send us here at this campus and at Go Church uh, because our communities and our county is full of people that need the love of Jesus Christ. So I'm really, really excited to see new people and get to learn the people that call this church home. The other thing that I'm excited about is partnerships. I can't wait for us to develop partnerships in our community, uh, to learn more about the current partnerships, but to develop new partnerships. You know, the church doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of great ministries that are doing great things uh, in our county, in our community, in our state, around the globe that we could partner with to perpetuate the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm excited about people. I'm excited about partnership. I'm excited about programs. I'm excited about enhancing the current programs that our church has for you and your family. I'm excited about developing new programs to help you on your quest for discipleship because that's so important. And God is birthing some great programs programs, you know, here at our church. And so that's exciting. And then the last one is this, you got, uh, uh, I said, people, partnerships, program, and places. I'm excited about the places that God will take us. I believe the fastest way to fulfill the Great Commission is through church planning. Our heart is to raise up leaders, to send them out to plant other churches. And I'm excited to see us go places that we never thought God would take us. There's a whole lot more there, but those are the things that I'm most grateful for. Can you do me this honor and this favor? Would you bless these gentlemen for a job well done today? Oh, come on, you can do better. Let them know you love them. These are great men of God. And we applaud each and every one of you. Would you all stand with me this morning? Let me pray over you today and uh, mark in your calendar for first Wednesday, this Wednesday night at seven o'clock. It's going to be incredible. And then of course, next Sunday, we kick off a brand new series on the Holy Spirit. We don't want you to miss it. Father, we love you. We love you. And all that we do and all that we are, we give you thanks. We thank you for the anointing that's here even now to talk through some very challenging questions and then through some practical questions. Life is about questions. <laughs> and in my life, at least, there seems to be a whole lot more questions than there are answers at times. But I thank you that we have the word of God to lead us and to guide us and to correct us and to teach us. It is our desire to be closer to you to be more like you. And God, I just pray that through this series, I pray that for every question that was submitted and answered, that people found peace or they found an opportunity for growth. 
For every question that was submitted that we didn't have time to answer, I pray that people don't feel that that question wasn't important. I pray that God, uh, through your divine power, you would lead them to the right place and the right time and the right conversation to get the help that they need. And that you would bless us on this journey as life throws curveballs at us, as curiosity increases, as questions may come. May we be connected to people that can help us grow. That's what you call us to do. Uh, You told us in the Great Commission, go make disciples. So help us grow and help us be more like you, Jesus. We love you. We bless you. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Can you give the Lord the best round of applause you've got today? I pray you have a wonderful week. I hope to see you on the first Wednesday and again next Sunday for a brand new series. God bless you.